Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 12, 5. For a few minutes, let's jump into the word of God today. Uh, Devin left to do a funeral for a very precious family. It's a part of our church. Uh, Marcia Griffin and Renee Krill and the entire family, they're mourning the loss of their father. And she is with them today, and that's where she went. And so we're praying for that precious family today. It is so good to see Doris Barker with us this morning. And we love you, sweet Doris. And this past week, we laid Bill, our beloved brother and leader and trustee of our church, laid his body to rest. And uh, uh, he's doing all right this morning. We're mourning and grieving, but I felt like I should tell you Bill's doing pretty good today. And uh, we love him and we miss him so much already. And so he would want me to preach the word, and that's what I'm going to do today. Amen. Jeremiah 12, verse 5, when you got it, say amen. And then we'll go to Deuteronomy 21 through 3. I'm going to teach today on this second Sunday of this new year. And this is a a word that I believe will frame um, this year that's forthcoming. So Jeremiah 12, 5, and I quoted this last Sunday night, but I'm going to sort of uh, peel the onion here and get into a little deeper part of it than I did last Sunday night. Uh, If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? If you ran with the footmen and they wearied you, how much more are the horsemen going to be a problem for you? That's essentially what the prophet is saying here. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. Oh, thank you, God. That's a good place to be, Seth, right there. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 1, verse 20, verse 1. Let's read this together off the screen. Read it with me. If I stop, you keep going. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an armor great yourself. Sorry. Do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Verse 2. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, hear Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. Verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. It's okay to praise him for his promises. And I want to set this thing in order on the second Sunday of this year. And I want to preach a message called, We Win. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, we win. Pray for me. Father, help us, anoint us, give us breakthrough and grace. As we preach the word, let faith rise, let unbelief die. Let people come into breakthrough, healing, deliverance, forgiveness of sin, salvation come to this house today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You can be seated in the presence of God. Oh, Lord, I feel him. I said, I feel him. As we launch into this new year, like many churches and many ministries, our church has sort of uh, got a focus at the beginning of the year, and we've, we've set our heart to prioritize our life in harmony with kingdom principles. Because how many know the first of the year, we, we, we seem to have a focus about us. We, we have this idea in our mind, and it's a true idea. We have this thought in our mind that we have a whole year before us. How many know that's a gift? And, and while we're not presumptuous about the year, if the Lord will help us, and if the Lord will give us grace to live, we've lived and encountered, experienced, survived, overcome, and lived through 2022, and now we are here with the grace of a new opportunity. 
How many are thankful for new opportunities and new seasons? And as we embrace this new season and this fresh opportunity of a new year that God's given us, we've just kind of set our heart to align our lives with the priorities of the kingdom of God. And so there's been a, uh, there's a focus on our praying. Uh, we entered the new year with 24 hours of prayer. How many were in any way a part of that and experienced the goodness of God? It was a powerful time of gathering. And, and, and we started with our fast. And, and we believe in fasting and praying so much in this church that we don't just do it in January, but the first Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of every month, uh, starting, at su- starting at midnight on Sunday night through Wednesday night sundown, we will fast something the first three days of every month. Why? Because I think it's a shame that we see all these miracles happen in January because the church is doing what it ought to be doing. And then like in February, we think it's time to take an 11-month vacation. How many know that prayer and fasting change things? Fasting doesn't make God like me or you more. Fasting gets me out of the way so God can have his way more in my life. And so, so we've got these kind of priorities happening now, and one of them is giving, as Pastor Quantel talked about giving today. And on the last week of this month, how many are already preparing and praying and getting your life and your family ready for a first fruit offering? Because how many want to enjoy the harvest of God in this year? I said, how many want to enjoy the harvest of God in this year? Can I just declare something over you? I'm believing for you and your family. It's going to be the greatest financial year you've ever had. If you don't want that, you better not come back to church for four months. You better stay gone because I'm believing God's going to promote you, bless you, open doors for you, give you things you weren't expecting, inheritances you didn't even know your name was on. This past week, I walked into my office, Miss Carolyn. I had a letter on my desk from a law firm, and I was in the will of somebody that I hadn't seen in 15 years. They put me in their will. I don't even know what it means. It might be $5. If it's more than that, I'll let you know when it happens. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, we're moving into a year where I am believing God is going to supernaturally bless our people. If you receive it, say amen. And one of the other things that we move into at the beginning of a year, not only do we get our priorities sort of in line with kingdom priorities, but I think most all of us in this room kind of lean into the word of the Lord for the year. And we hope and, and expect and we pray for God to release a word over our lives that sort of frames the year that we're getting ready to move into. And I don't, I, I told Cleveland this morning and I'll tell Athens and Chattanooga this way, I wanna give you some news and then I wanna give you some better news. Okay, so, so both is news. One's not such great news. One is a whole lot better news. Okay, I want to tell you that as we lean into this year, I want to give all of us a reality check because there's a lot of people that prophesy at the beginning of a year how it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, tulips and peanut butter and jelly and, and there are going to be no issues and there are going to be no problems and you're going to have the greatest, you're going to live your best life now. Every day is going to be a Friday all year long. But I want to tell you that as I lean into this year and I get my heart sort of in a posture to receive the word of the Lord, and as God begins to help me understand where the church at large is going and what God's doing in this day, I I sense a couple things that I just wanna tell you so that when they begin to happen, you're not shocked. This is not negative doomsday prophecy, this is the word of the Lord. I wanna tell you that, that it doesn't necessarily tell us it's going to get easier. I drove all the way from Cleveland to make, to make you mad, okay. Uh, if you go read the 12th chapter of Jeremiah, the first four verses of Jeremiah 12, I didn't read it to you for time's sake, but if you go read the first four verses of Jeremiah today, you will find it is a prophetic complaint from the prophet to God. Jeremiah is complaining. And he's saying things like, how long do the wicked prosper? And why do these jokers who are evil keep having success? And how long are the righteous going to suffer? And he goes through all this litany of questions asking God why there are challenges and why there's opposition. And God rebukes the prophet with a prophetic question. And the question found in the fifth verse of the 12th chapter of Jeremiah's prophecy is this. If the footmen have worn you out, what are you going to do when the horses show up? If the season you've been going through, Jeremiah, has caused you to want to quit and have all these questions and want to give up, what are you going to do when the horsemen show up? 
I tell you, church, what we are watching happen before our eyes is the wussification of the people of God. Growing up, I, I'm sorry, you want another word? I don't have a better one, that's it. It, it is the softening and the giving upness of the body of Christ. And I don't know where it came from other than this watered down theological treatise that presents Christianity as, as serving some genie in the bottle who makes all of our personal ambitions, desires, and dreams come true. And when they don't, we have the unmitigated goal to pout, to walk away, to throw in the towel, to say we can't make it because we don't approve of what's happening in this life. Listen, I want to tell you that if the season that you've been going through has been challenging what will you do if I told you it was just the footmen and the horses are on the way and 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 we have talked a whole lot I think what we've preached in the body of Christ is fanhood fanhood you know what fanhood is? there are a lot of Jesus fans I found this out about fans they'll paint their face they shout when you get a touchdown. They go crazy when you win the, the, the championship. But fans don't often invest in next level things. They don't often give it all. They just show up on game day and you can't find them the rest of the time. In fact, most fans don't come in the weather. Oh Lord. Most fans don't come in the Most fans are just associated with the, 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 the big crowd and the, and the rush and the zeal. But there is a difference between being a fan and a disciple. And I hope that you hear me preach to you today that your salvation was not contingent, at least on our part. It should never have been contingent on God doing what we want, when we want, like we want. And if he does that and passes our test, then somehow he gets to be our God. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the king and we are the sons and servants of the Lord in the house of the Lord. And I tell you in this day and time when people are deconstructing and we are watching the watering down of the body of Christ, the wussification of the people of God and people are quitting and walking away, it's become fashionable to go on social media and show the world how you turn away from Jesus. I'm telling this house right now, we have just been in a foot race, but the horses are coming. The challenges are not going to subside. The opposition is not going to get lighter. The, the attack may not get easier. And that's the news. And for the rest of my time with you, I'm going to preach about the better news. I did not come to tell you there will not be tribulation. I did not come to tell you there will not be curveballs. There will not be challenges. There will not be expected and unexpected opposition. I did not come to tell you that 2023 will be tulip, tulips and peanut butter and jelly and you're going to get what you want, when you want, how you want. Here's what I came to tell you. The devil's going to turn it up and heaven's going to get stronger. The fire's going to get hotter and the glory's going to get greater and the devil is going to wish he never messed with you or your family because at the end of the battle, we are not just coming out with what we had. We are coming out free of every yoke of bondage and we are coming out with a greater glory. I need someone to shout like I'm talking to you. Thank you. There is coming the collision. Say collision. There is coming the collision of two alternate, alternate realities. On the one hand, the fire may feel hotter. Talk to me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They turned up the heat hotter seven times. Not as punishment for not serving God, the heat got turned up because they made their mind up, I'm not turning away from God. What a gift. What a gift to decide that you're gonna live for God and not bow to the idols of this day and instead of God rescuing you from, rescuing you from the fire, he allows the fire to get turned up seven. What a gift. 
What a gift. Go through one trouble, turn around on Monday and got another one. Get through with that one on Wednesday, turn around Friday morning and got another one. By the time you get that one prayed through on Saturday, you wake up Monday and all hell broke loose somewhere else. What a gift. I tell you, your mind is about to change about this. God is about to reveal to you that it is not an absence of battle that means you are victorious. You've got to have a battle to win. And you preach like this, and the ultra-relaxed people, which get on my nerves, the ultra-relaxed people are like, oh, he's preaching about battles. We have no battles. Jesus won the whole battle. Listen to me carefully. Jesus defeated the devil. You still have to defeat yourself, and you have to enforce the victory Jesus died to give you. Stop act, and you have to overcome the world. Stop acting like that there is no battle. If there weren't, Paul wastes an entire chapter in the sixth book of Ephesians telling you to put on the whole armor of God. There are battles. There are bad days. There are challenges. There are unexpected things. There is opposition. You will have to go through stuff in 2023. But, big but. God's going to increase the glory. All this talk about, I've been, I've been studying a lot, Keelan, I've been studying a lot about the bride. There is a difference between the whore of religion and the bride of Christ. I'm coming down here. I'm in a mood to do it today. Listen, there's a difference between the whore of religion and the bride of Christ. The whore of religion can be shacked up with the world in the back seat all week long and come to church and talk on Sunday about Jesus. But if all you do is check him out on Sunday and you haven't been in his presence and with him and loving him and giving him your heart, I want you to check yourself, church. There's a lot of religion floating around that has the form of godliness and denies the power thereof. This is not the day for you and I to be seduced by seducing spirits into a place of mediocrity and apathy, going through motions, taking our foot off the pedal and sort of coasting through life in our comfortable Christianity, our mediocre move of God, no intensity, no passion, no zeal for the things of God. Just let me show up and get a a jab of Jesus on Sunday morning and then run out and live any other way and sleep with every other idol in our generation and lay down in the bed with every demonic stronghold that this, I am sick of it. I'm telling you, if Jesus is alive and he is, he demands and deserves everything about me and you. If Christianity is not real, it's the greatest hoax of all time. If it is real, it demands the greatest gift you could ever give him. him. There are two extremes in Christianity. One option about Christianity is, however, is this. There is no mediocre. It's either either the greatest hoax of all time or it is the greatest movement God ever put in the earth. And if it is, he deserves it all. And if what we've been dealing with has worn us out, what if I told you this is just the footman? The horses are coming. How many were here Sunday night? Before the Lord, this happened, and we have it on video. We're still trying to figure out what happened. I said that phrase, the horses are coming, and before the Lord in heaven, over in this area somewhere, we heard horses start neighing. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I heard it, and I said, that was someone's voice or someone's phone. I don't know what it was. Devin, you know Devin, prophetic Dev. She said, that was supernatural. So I went back and listened to it five times. It was not the voice of a human being. And everyone over here was on their face. We still have no clue where it came from, but I said those very words. The horses are coming, and it went, it's the best one I got in me right there. And I'm pretty proud of myself, actually. It's pretty good. Listen to me. Horses are coming. 
it does not say evil men will get less and less. It says evil men will wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Y'all, you want the news to all of a sudden come on one night and say, America is better. Evil men are going to get worse and worse. They're going to seduce and they're going to be deceived and they're going to lose their way and they're going to lead people into destruction. Pastor, you shouldn't talk about that. I'm telling you, you better fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the Bible. I am watching, I am watching mediocre, lukewarm people lose their discernment. Because when you are lukewarm, you don't know what is hot, what is cold. You don't like it. You just like lukewarm. Be very careful. And, and Jeremiah says, you're dealing with the footman now, but the horses are coming. So what are we going to do when horses show up? What are we going to do when it looks like every mountainous society has been sabotaged by voices of distraction, voices of confusion, the all-out attack on the image of God. I said the image of God. We're not done with it yet. I told some people in a meeting a couple of weeks ago, you, you think, see, here's what happens. Please watch the progression. It's the same progression that happened in Greece. In Greek life, it started out with the embracing of alternate lifestyles, otherwise known as homosexuality. When they endorse that, then it become trans. Hear how quiet it is right now? We're all nervous. He's going to offend someone. I'm, I'm in love right now. I'm not mad, bitter, hateful. I'm telling you, the image of God is being attacked. And here's where it goes eventually, and you, you tell them your pastor told you this on the second Sunday in 2023. The next step will be the legalization of pedophilia. And it is the last sin that Greece embraced before it was destroyed. You, the horse, so why are you preaching this if the horses are coming? Because I believe in victory over the horses. The only way the horses win is if the righteous lay down. The, the only way the horses win is if the righteous keep silent. Why do you think we have to be about the Father's business in this hour? It is not because we need job security. It is not because we're looking for someone to offend. I think people get up and think, oh, he loves being controversial. Isn't it a shame that preaching the truth has become controversial? In the church. I'm not talking about in the world. The world has always thought I was crazy, but now born-again Christians who have titles like bishop and pastor and doctor look at a man preaching Jesus and say, he's extreme. We're living in that day. And the moment you and I start saying, oh, this is just the day we're living in, let it have its way without any sort of spiritual withstanding is the day we all find ourselves acquiescing, coming into agreement with the spirit of this age. And I'm not doing it. By the grace of God, we're not going to participate in the overtaking of the horses. So the horses are coming, God says to Jeremiah. And then he says something else. Can you put that verse back up, Jeremiah 12, 5? I didn't unpack this in Cleveland, but it just come to me, and I want to tell you what it means. Can you put that? Uh, yes. He said, if, if in the land of peace, in times and days and moments when there was no battle, if those days wore you out, what will it be like when you come to the floodplain of Jordan? And you wonder, what is that word floodplain? This is interesting. Go check me out. In the Hebrew, that word floodplain is the same word used for pride and arrogance. And literally in the Hebrew, that word for pride is the word used to describe, listen, don't miss it, a pride of lions. And literally, if you keep peeling this onion, you go back to that day, that time, and you look at what, what, what the writer was talking about. He's saying there's a moment when you're living in the land of peace. If that season wearied you, what will you do when I assign you to a land filled with lions? It's time for us to get tough. I don't mean mean. 
I told you last week, I'm not picking battles with stuff God didn't assign me to. I'm not arguing with Jimbo on Facebook. Jimbo or Bobo or any other Bo. You gotta stop wasting your time on foolish conversations that lead to nothing. We don't have time to waste precious resources on battles that God never called us to fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strong. Listen, what Paul is saying is if you want to be guaranteed victory, then pick a fight that has guaranteed victory attached to it. And if you want guaranteed victory, you can't do it in the strength of the flesh. Help me, Holy Ghost. But you got to do it with the weapons of our spiritual warfare. Come on, how many are thankful God gave you and I some weapons? We often act like that we're on the defense all of our life, just hoping we can somehow make it while the devil runs over us. The devil's a liar. The sword of the spirit is not a defensive weapon. It's a it's a weapon of aggression and a weapon of advancing. I'm telling you, this is the year some of you stop letting the devil run over your house and you pull your sword out and you tell the devil, not this year, Jack. If you mess with my children one more time, I'll pull this sword out. I'll cut your head off and I'll... For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing of soul and sunder, joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when the devil tried to tempt Jesus, Jesus looked at the devil and said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word from God. How many are glad you got a weapon? And when the horsemen show up, go now with me to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Verse one, put it on the screen, please. When, not if, when. Now let me blow your mind. I mean, he's talking to people who have already entered into the promised land. This is Deuteronomy 20. We're not in Exodus. We're on the edge and coming into the promised land here. And he says, when you come into the promised land, well, I thought after you enter the promised land, there are no more battles. Study the Old Testament. The promised land was just the first layer of inheritance there would be additional places given by God. Don't miss it. If you're taking notes, write it down. There are two kind of battles you will face in 2023. The battle of advancement and the battle of adversity. Let me unpack it quickly. The battle of adversity is the battle that the devil picks with you. He comes to your house, attacks your stuff, and you're sitting there minding your own business, reading your favorite magazine, drinking a cup of coffee or cocoa, and the devil shows up and adversity hits your life. And you say, what in the world? Has anybody in here ever been through something and it hits your life and you say, what in the world? I mean, that wasn't on the radar. I mean, I was expecting some resistance, but this is a whole kind of another devil. I mean, I was expecting some opposition, but this thing has attacked me at a place and a level in a spot where I didn't think God, God would allow me to. And, I, and you got to be real careful when you say that because God is not the one attacking. God is not the one hindering. God is not the one opposing. And you can't get that thing messed up in your mind because it is the plan of the devil for you to start blaming God. I know I'm in the book because when Job was out in the field and they ran to him and said, all your cattle dropped dead, your house just dropped, dropped down to the ground, your children died, and his wife, of all things God could have took, he let that wife live. And she came out. <laughs> she Come on, some of y'all smiled. You ain't smiled all year long. She came out and she said, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job looked at her and said, you charge God, I will not charge God foolishly. 
Naked I came into this world. Naked I go out of this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord God. And though he slay me, oh my God, I felt that Z. Though he slay me, yet will I trust. I feel the Holy Ghost on my back right now. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why he allowed it. But I refuse to charge him foolishly. At the end of the day, I still agree with the apostle. All things work together for the good to them that love God and those who are the called. I believe it. When you go to war and and your enemies show up and you see them coming and there are what? What? And you see the what? The horses. Now you've got to understand something about battle terminology. It was one thing when the footmen showed up. I told you just a minute ago, Jeremiah said, if the footmen wore you out, what you going to do when the horses show up? And Moses on his deathbed, talking to Israel on the brink of their promised land, he says, one day you're going to go out to battle and you're getting ready not to be attacked. Don't miss it. In 2023, there is a battle of adversity where the enemy attacks you and I. But there's another kind of battle this is. This is not the battle of adversity. This is the battle of advancement. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean the battle to advance? See, there's a thing where the enemy attacks you and I, but there's another season. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to preach myself into a fit here because there's another season that happens not where the enemy attacks you and I, but where we go on the offense and we actually attack to take territory that God has promised. Oh, come on in here and preach with me, Chattanooga. Come on in here and preach with me, Chattanooga. This is not a year of waiting on an adversity. This is not the year we wait on an attack. This is the year of advancing. And Moses says, when you go out to battle, notice he didn't say when, 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 they, when they pick the fight. No, when you go out and you go take the land, they're going to show up with horses and chariots and they're going to outnumber you. Well, what do I do when I see the horses and I see the chariots and I see them in a greater number than us? The first thing he said is the thing I feel like God told me to tell you for this year. Do not be afraid. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, do not be afraid. I don't care how big the giant is. Do not be afraid. I don't care what the doctor said. Do not be afraid. I don't care what the divorce court lawyer said. Do not be afraid. The bankruptcy judge didn't do it in your favor, but don't be afraid. They told you your business was going to sink this year, but I'm telling you the devil is a liar. Don't be afraid. I refuse to lick my finger and test the winds of today's society to determine if me and my house are going to walk in faith and to walk in blessing. Oh no, I have already read that book. I don't know what the world's going to go through and what's going to happen to the world but I am a child of God and in the midst of Egypt, Egypt suffered but those that lived in Goshen had the lights on. Where's my help in this church? In Egypt, the Egyptian cattle dropped dead in the field but the Israelite cattle kept on living. I'm telling you God is able to separate the stuff and to say no devil you can't have that one that cattle belongs to Doris Barker no devil you can't have that cow that cow belongs to Rick and Carolyn Smith. I come to tell you God God knows how to guard your stuff. God knows how to stay up all night long. And while you're sleeping, God knows how to protect what's got your name on it. Somebody shout because you know it in this church. He said, when y'all gotta go here. He said, this is not a war of adversity. This is a war of advancement. When you go into battle and you see the horses, it's gonna get harder. Chariots, gonna get harder. And they got more than you. It's gonna get harder. Do not be afraid. Because the, uh, because the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. I love God. Because every time he talks about what he's going to do for me in my future, he always connects it to what he did for me in my past. 
who am I preaching to in here? Can anybody take an inventory of the faithfulness of God over your life? And can you look back? even over 2022 can you look back over your life and see the faithfulness of God last year he brought you out of some stuff last year he kept you through some stuff last year and this is what God is telling Israel if he brought you out then I don't know what's coming in the future but if he kept me from Egypt he will keep me from the enemies that are standing on my promised land He said, the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt is the God who will be with you. He will not leave you. Listen to me. Before you get to the battlefield and encounter an enemy, let me tell you some good, good news. You will never walk on a battlefield without God. Touch somebody telling me he's with you. Keep going. I'm almost through here. I'm boring the people of God. Go to the next verse. Next verse. When you are about to go into battle. I love that. When you're on the edge of the battle. Before you pull a sword out. And before the fight starts. He said this. Let the priest come forward. And give a word. (laughs) Well I don't need no church. I don't need no preacher. No, I don't. I'm, I'm saved in the church all by myself. You are crazy. You better get connected to an army somewhere. And you better get connected to a church that the word of the Lord is in the mouth of the priesthood of that place. Because there's some battles coming that you will not survive or overcome unless you have a divine strategy released from a prophetic utterance over the lips of a prophetic vessel that has the mind and the thing of God going on in their mind. You make sure in this day and time you do not operate according to the flesh. In this day and time we must operate according to the spirit. What is God saying? And he said, before you get into battle, let the priest come forward. And what does the priest say? The priest says, next verse, the priest will come and address the army. And he shall say, hear Israel. Today, Lord, this is so bad right here. Can you imagine this priest walking up? Getting ready to go into a battle. Horses and chariots and thousands of people more than little Israel's little army. And the priest walks out and says, y'all hear this. Don't be afraid or faint hearted. Today you're going out into a battle against your enemies. Do not panic or be terrified. And everybody looking at him like, what? Don't panic or be terrified. Have you seen this enemy? If you're going to survive these battles these days, you cannot operate by what you see. Why do you think the priest said here? Because oftentimes, Lord, I feel like teaching here. Oftentimes, what we see doesn't line up with what we heard. And you keep watching the world and you see all the hell breaking loose. And if you're not careful, you will start reacting by what you see instead of acting on what you heard. Now, faith comes by not seeing You would think, i got to see something before I believe it. But in the kingdom of God, God always sends a word before he sends something by sight. Because if it were by sight that you obtained the promise, it would never have been by faith. And the kingdom of God can never be accessed simply by what you see. You don't seize it because of what you see. You seize it because of what God said. If you ever get what God is saying, then the devil can't keep you from what God is giving. When God says there's a move of God coming, it may look like it's getting darker. But if God said that there's coming an outpouring of the Spirit in the last day, I don't care what I see. What I heard him say is greater than what my eyes are telling me. What he told my ears is greater than what my eyes are telling me. When is the last time you saw something that looked really bad and didn't have a nervous breakdown in fear. I'm not being critical. I'm taking an inventory. Because oftentimes, I'm with you. There are times I see stuff and I'm like, 
Lord, how in the world are we going to overcome this? And the question is not how we're going to overcome. The question is when is God going to do it? Because he already said he would. Don't walk by what you see this year. Crawl up in the place of God and find out what God is saying. And the priest said to them, today you will go out and you will fight against your enemy. And don't be faint-hearted and don't be afraid and do not panic and be terrified. Look at somebody, tell them, don't panic. Come on, talk to your neighbor like you love them. Tell them, don't panic and don't be terrified. Now listen to me. This is precisely why Paul would look at Timothy and say, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Let me tell you something. If you're living in fear, you're living in something God did not give you. God doesn't hand out spirits of fear. But he gave you love, power, and a sound mind. He gave you agape, dunamis, and self-control. That's literally in the Greek what it is. Agape is unconditional love. He gave you dunamis, which is the power of God, and he gave you self-control. Those things come from God, and if you live in love power and self-control, you will always overcome what it is the enemy wants you to be afraid of. Next verse is the last one. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Rewind. Go back to verse 3. Go back to verse 3, please. Today you are going into battle against your enemies. Go back to the next verse. God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies. Go back to that previous verse. Today, you are going into battle against your enemies. Go to the next verse. Go to the next. Yes, God is the one who goes with you to fight your enemies. Go back to it one more time. I'm, I'm going to get for the slow folk in the house. Today, you are going into battle. Battle is not the fight. Battle is you arriving. If you just show up on the battlefield God said I'm just waiting on somebody who will believe that that territory belongs to my people and if I can find someone who will show up for battle I will roll my sleeves oh Lord I better quit because I'm about to pull something preaching this word I'm telling you God said if I can find somebody who will show up when I find somebody who shows up I will roll up my sleeves and I will be the one to fight I just need you to show up on the battle field and if you will show up on the battlefield God said I'll show up with you and what you thought would overcome you I'll fight it for you the battle is not mine the battle belongs to the Lord somebody shout yes he said I'm gonna fight your enemies do not be faint-hearted faint uh, or afraid. Don't panic. Don't be terrified. Because next verse, because today I'm going to show up and fight against your enemies to give you victory. We win. What am I going to have to go through? I don't know, but we win. How bad is it going to be? Oh, don't ask me that. Just look to the end of the battle. We win. If you just keep the faith, we are going to win. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this real quick. I want you to, I want you, how many have been watching the sports world in the last couple of days? Anybody been watching the sports world? How many have recognized now the name Damar Hamlin? Anybody know that name? I want them to play this video and I'm going to close this sermon after you see this video. showing, quote, remarkable improvement. So far, no neurological setbacks, saying he is alert. And tonight, one of his first questions, Alex Perez in Cincinnati. Tonight, a remarkable turnaround for DeMar Hamlin, defying odds, now awake and able to write after suffering that terrifying cardiac arrest during Monday Night Football. One of the first questions he asked doctors in writing, who won the game? When he asked, did we win, the answer is, Yes, you know, Damar, you won. You've won the game of life. Doctors delivering the extraordinary details of Hamlin's recovery, the turning point coming late Wednesday night. The 24-year-old not only waking up, but able to move his hands and feet. And key, doctors say, he seems to have no neurological issues. I'm about to preach. Did y'all catch this? Watch. Y'all catch this. First of all, his number was three. And then he was in ICU for three days. 
And on the third day in ICU, they took him off of the ventilator and he woke up. I said he woke up on the third day. And the first question he asked was, did we win the game? Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody who just came through a fight, somebody who just came through a battle, somebody who just came through a test. You may have won through something so bad and the devil may have tried to make you believe you're not going to win. You may have come out and said, did I win? I want to be the first one to tell you you won. And not only have you won, you're going to win every battle of 2023. You're going to win. You're going greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Slap your neighbor, tell him you win. In fact, shake hands with four people and tell them you win. You win over the depression. You win over the job situation. You win over the family crisis. You win over the financial fallout. You win over the business deal. You win over that physical fight in your body. I need somebody to shout you in. You are gonna win. You are gonna win. And nothing the devil does in 2023 is greater than what God has declared and promised over your life. And I'm gonna tell you how bad to the bone God is. That according to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said to the church of Corinth, and the reason he addressed the church of Corinth, stay right there, Julian. Thank you. The reason that he addressed the church at Corinth this way is because there were people in Corinth having a nervous breakdown. And they were panicking and afraid because their loved ones who had died, they were worried about them and what would happen to them now that they were dead. And so they were frantic and they were panicked. And Paul said that, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Watch. He said, this corrupt must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And when this corruption shall I put on incorruption and when this mortal will I put on immortality then somebody say then then shall be brought to pass the saying death is swallowed up in victory watch oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory he said the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ in every situation. And before I leave this pulpit, I want to tell you that on your worst day, when hell is knocking on your door and it looks like death found your address and the devil is howling and hissing and telling you you're at the end of this life and the devil's telling you you have no future. I want to tell you what the Bible said. Even when you're staring death in the face, even when your body is wrapped with pain and you're grieving through the death process and it looks like you're losing the battle I want to tell you when you close your eyes on this side and you wake up on the other side there will be no enemy in front of you there will be no devil tormenting you there will be no breathing machine hooked up to your body or a feeding tube down your throat Ooh, when you wake up on the other side of death you're going to step into the presence of the one that brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I hear Paul saying, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown which the Lord shall give me himself and not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. Some is shot because we win even when death comes. Now that's old-fashioned preaching. But we've lost our joy because we've forgotten that even in death we win. Ain't nobody in here wants to die today. We all, I pray all y'all live to be 147. We'll prop you up over over there under the exit sign. 
And if we all live to be 147, we'll be the oldest church in America. But if death shows up to you or a loved one this year, I want to tell you this right now. Even when death is howling down your neck and you, you wonder about crossing that river called Jordan, I tell you what, you'll never cross it alone. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, that's the problem with the New Testament church. New Testament church was willing to stay but they wanted to go. Today's church wants to stay, but if God pulls on us hard enough, we'll go to heaven. We gotta get some adjustments made in the body of Christ. Staying here is demotion. Y'all can't handle me. Oh, this sounds so radical. What about my kingdom? I'm trying to preach to yours crumbles. And the only kingdom left standing in your life is the kingdom of God. And if you'll get so radical that his kingdom is what you live for, that even in death you'll have victory because you understand you're crossing over to see the world. The problem is some people are nervous because they're not ready. So that's why I came to church today. Because somebody got to get ready. Heads bowed and eyes closed right now. If you want to win and you're tired of losing. If you want to be blessed and you're tired of being cursed. If you want to walk in the light and not in the dark. If you want to come into life and jump out of death. If you want to get out from under the heaviness and come into the joy of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If I'm talking to you, I don't care if you've never been saved or been saved. But millions of miles away from God this morning. Growing up the old church, we used to sing this little song. It says, I've wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod. But now I'm coming home. And the chorus said this, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Nevermore to roam. Open wide thine arms of love, Lord, I'm coming. And in case you're wondering if there's any room for you, there is room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross for you. And though millions have come, there's still room yet for one at the cross. There is room for you. Heads about, eyes are closed. If you want to come into the victory today, some of you need to make Jesus Lord on the second Sunday of 2023. Stop playing games. No more religion. No more once a year Jesus. It's time for somebody to give their life to Christ. In Athens, in Chattanooga, we're getting ready to open this altar. And if you need to say yes to Jesus, whether you have never said yes to Jesus and this would be the first morning, or you've known him but you've walked a million miles away and you just want to run back to him right now, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand when I say three. If I'm talking to you and you want Christ to be the Lord of your life, I don't care what you've done, what you've been snorting, who you've been sleeping with, how long you've felt messed up and jacked up and addicted, we love you just like you are. And if we love you like you are, Jesus loves you so much more. When I say three, if you want to give your life to Christ and find hope in him, 
Lift your hand and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I want to get saved. One, two, three. Right now, lift that hand. Just pray. I see your hand, sweetheart. See your hand, sweetheart. See your hand, sir. See your hand back there, friend. See your hand over there. God bless every one of you. You can put your hands down. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. I'm telling you, there was an altar full of people in Cleveland giving their life to Jesus. There's about to be an altar full of people coming here in Chattanooga. And there's going to be an altar full of people in Athens today that come to Christ. How many can I get agreement with me right there and say amen? Here's what I want you to do. Whether you've known them your whole life or you never met them before this morning, you have a neighbor on both sides. Here's what I want you to look at them and say. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, when your neighbor asks you that question, I want you to come out of your seat and come meet me right here. We're going to pray and Christ is going to save you. Right now, ask your neighbor all over the house, all over the house, both neighbors, do you need someone to go pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have, just come out of your seat and come stand in the altar with us right now. We're going to pray for God to save people right now. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Anyone? God bless you. God bless you, sir, for coming. God bless you, buddy. Somebody else coming. God bless you, friend. Hallelujah. Somebody else. I think we ought to throw a party. Come on. Yay. Somebody else. I saw some more hands. Come on, sweetheart. That's right. We're waiting on you. Come on. Hey. They're not through coming and we're not through praising. Somebody give God glory. Come on. They're still coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. Come on, sweetheart. Come on, sir. Come on, church. Don't lose your party. Keep on celebrating. We win, 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 win. Stretch your hands toward this altar. Would you pray for these brothers and sisters that have come for prayer? Like you wish somebody would have prayed for you the day you gave your life to Christ. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Come on, sing it, family. It was. Sing it one more time at the cross. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. It was there by faith. If you could see what I could see right now, you'd be rejoicing with angels. Tears are flowing and hearts are being changed. Come on, let's give him thanks. Wonderful Savior. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder before we do anything else today. Would you do it right now? Listen, 2023. What will happen, Pastor, if the horses show up? i tell you what will happen. Don't be afraid. Don't be faint-hearted. If you'll show up for the battle, God show up, fight your enemies for you. Victory is coming and we will win. And I declare right now over every family, every person in our church, Father, on the second Sunday of this year, as we launch out into a new year, we do not do it by ourselves or without your blessing of presence and your precious promises over our life. Keep your hand on us, Lord. Keep our hearts humble and tender toward you. Keep us focused on your face and anchored in your promises and in your word. I pray you'll drive darkness out and keep the Holy Ghost in. I pray the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be, us, be upon us and within us, Lord. And I bless this house and these precious families that are connected to this house. May this be the greatest year spiritually, financially. I pray it be the greatest year relationally in every capacity and dimension of their life. Bless these precious people and thank you for the victory in advance. If you believe we're victorious in advance and that we will win because of Christ, somebody give him the best praise you've had in you all day long. Come on. Hey! Listen, get here Wednesday night. It's going to be powerful. Something, something wonderful is going to happen Wednesday night. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you at 7 p.m. 
Go in the blessing of the Lord. Be safe and careful as you travel. The Lord give you traveling mercy. I love you, RTTN family. Go in the peace of God. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, Dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team want to pray for you. We want to make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.